Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the word of God. Jeremiah chapter number 52, verse number 31, it states, Now it came to pass in the 37th year of the captivity of Jeconiah. I know it looks like Jehoiakim. It is not. It is Jeconiah. So we'll just go with Jeconiah. And I know when I first read this, I said, man, whose name is Jehoiachin? But it is Jeconiah. So Jeconiah, the king of Judah in the 12th month on the 25th day of the month that the evil king, Murdoch, king of Babylon in the first year of his reign, lifted up the head of King Jeconiah of Judah and brought him out of prison. And he spoke kindly to him and gave him a more prominent seat than those of the king's who were with him in Babylon. So Jeconiah changed from his prison garments and he ate bread regularly before the king all the days of his life. And as for his provisions, there was a regular ration given to him by the king of Babylon, a portion for each day until the day of his death, all the days of his life. And on this Sunday morning, for just a few moments, I want to preach to you this morning, captive in the king's court, captive in the king's court. Before we're seated, one more time, can we just lift our hands and thank God for what he's about to do? Lord, we thank you for how great and how mighty you are. Lord, we thank you that your power is matchless, that your name is matchless. And Lord, we ask that as we gather together, God, that before we leave this place, that our lives would be changed and that when we leave this place, God, that we would know that we are in the King of Kings in the Lord of Lords court, that there is nobody like you, there is nobody greater than you, and then there is no one higher than you. Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Is there anybody that is an overpacker in the room when it comes to vacation? I will lift both hands. You might be going away for a four or three day trip, but you might need 12 dress shirts. You don't know why. When we went to youth convention a couple of weeks ago, I packed seven ties for three services. You never know when you're taking that family trip to Florida when you need to bust out the winter gear. You might need to take your parka, the scarves, and the gloves. You just don't know because something might happen where the wind shifts and all of a sudden it's now a cold trip. Or perhaps you're one of those people that you're able to solve big puzzles and those are your family trip vacation things where you do those. But in two days you're going to try and solve a 10,000-piece puzzle and all of the puzzle pieces you're saying... Well, how on earth are we going to get these back home? And you're sitting there and you've just packed too much. Now, if you're like me, when you go on vacation, it's three outfits a day. You need one for breakfast, one for lunch, and one for dinner. But there is, I don't believe there's anything wrong with overpacking until they start to weigh your bag and you get to the airport and the bag is over 50 pounds and you don't know where you're going to find nine pounds to move it to. However, there are times when God calls us to change and calls us to do something that we've never done before. In our text chapter, we see the story of Jeconiah, who was the king of Judah. He was in the lineage of David, but it was prophesied by Jeremiah that he would fail. It was prophesied that he would be held captive in Babylon by the king of Nebuchadnezzar. 
And it was during this captivity that somebody who did evil in the sight of God was forced to confront some poor judgment and some choices. Someone who had all of the tools to succeed was forced to confront some ugly choices. Graduates, just because you've attended the Life Church, just because you've been in VSM all of your life, does not mean that you're always going to make the right choices. There will come a moment in your life where you will have to confront some things and it is in those choices that will lead to freedom or to captivity, but you will have to make a choice. And then there are those of us that have already graduated and have already moved on with our lives where we might be still dealing with some of the choices that we made while in college or while in high school. And we're sitting there and sometimes if we're not careful, we can be held captive by our choices. The choices that we make are things that can live with us for the rest of our lives. However, there are times where we dwell on these things and there are moments where we come to our lives where we have to make a decision and the choices that will be there will either put us in freedom or captivity. But when it's in captivity, those choices can lead us to have a tortured mind or the what if game or by the guilt or by the shame or by the hurt or the pains and the choices of yesterday. And if we were to play a slideshow for some of our minds here this morning, there would be that moment in our lives where we look back on and we've hidden it from everybody, but the only person that knows is God. Or it could be the, the decision that we made that we look back on, we say, man, if I had just went right instead of left or straight instead of backwards, my life could be completely different. And sometimes we feel like Jeconiah. We feel as if we're sometimes captive in this prison cell where we had all of the things and the choices to succeed and we had a good head on our shoulders for a while and we had a pastor who preached and who taught and did all of the things but sometimes we come to those moments just like Jeconiah where the way of the world seemed like it was the better way. And this morning I want to preach just for a few moments about how the choices that we make whether you're in college, whether you're in high school or whether you've moved on from life how they can be either freedom or they can be captivity. But I want to leave us with the fact today that we serve a God that can step in in just a moment, reverse every decision that we've ever made and can bring peace and can bring love and can bring grace and can bring mercy and say, I know where you've been. I know what you've done, but let me show you what I did on Calvary. Let me show you the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Let me show you a more acceptable way. And I've come to preach to somebody this morning that you feel like Jeconiah where he was thrown into solitary confinement by Nebuchadnezzar. No doubt he had a lot of time to think about all that went wrong. No doubt he had a lot of time to think about the mess ups and the times that he worshipped other gods instead of worshipping the one true God. No doubt he sat there in this solitary confinement saying if I had just stayed in the ways of David, if I had just stayed in the ways of my forefathers, I wouldn't be in this mess right now. I wouldn't be suffering right now and somebody here this morning I feel in the Holy Ghost is looking for that moment when God steps in and say hey it's time to come out of the prison cell it's time to step out of captivity it's time to step in to freedom and Jeconiah has years to ponder what he's done he has years to ponder the times that he messed up. He has years to ponder when the priests were making sacrifice. He has years to ponder when he was worshiping the false gods and doing wicked things like his dad and his grandfather did. 
And Jeconiah has this moment in prison where it's just him and his thoughts. And just so you know, it can be a pretty scary place when it's just you and your thoughts. And for those of you that have minds like mine that just are constantly hopping from one thing to the next, I'm sitting there, and when I read the Bible, I'm thinking about Jeconiah watching the little rat walk by, and he's saying, man, I could probably eat that right now. But then he's thinking about all the times that he ate all the things he wasn't supposed to eat, and then his mind just goes down this rabbit trail, and here he is, forced to confront some things in captivity. And there are some of us here in this room, this room this morning where we're sitting there and we are being forced to confront some choices that we've made. Let me talk to the graduates for just a moment. You don't have to go live like the world to decide whether or not God is actually real. You can make it up in your mind that you're not going to go out there and be a Jehoiakim that's going to have to sit there and confront the things that you did in high school, the things that you did in college. But I've come to tell somebody this morning that there is a God that loves you and he says, you don't have to go out there. I've got all that you need right here. And Jehoiakim is confronting these things in the prison cell. However, one day in prison, he runs across the evil king of Murdoch. And I'm sure that while he's there, he's thinking about the wonders and the exploits that David and that Solomon had done. And here he is thinking about how these things that he could have been. But what happens is when we begin to confront things, we begin to think about what should be. He was supposed to be the king of Judah, the king of the praisers, if you will. But here he is stuck in captivity while everybody else is getting elevated, while everyone else is seeing God do great things, and while they're still in captivity, there's still a prophet that's saying, hey, we need to go back to the land and to rebuild the walls. We need to go back and rebuild the temple. This is the same time that he would have been in prison that Daniel was standing there with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he probably heard from the grapevine that, hey, while you failed, there were four men who decided that it was worth it. There was a man who was thrown into the lion's den. There were three guys that were thrown into the fire, and the fourth guy we think was the son of God and I want to tell somebody this morning that you do not have to live in the guilt in the shame in the hurt in the past mistakes you can say you know what I'm coming out of prison today I'm coming out of captivity today and I'm stepping in to my destiny I'm walking into where God has called me and Jeconiah is now hearing about the great things that are happening and perhaps it was in this moment that he began to think about how great the God that he once heard about was. His destiny was shattered. It was Jeremiah who pronounced the curse on him. And it's when those moments where we're sitting there and our destiny feels ruined, our promises feel ruined, our hope feels ruined, that the enemy will use those moments to tell you what could have been. Oh, you could have been a great preacher. You could have been a great worship leader. You could have been 
the one who made all the disciples in Kansas City. You could have been the one in your family, but it's in those moments where all of a sudden he's using the guilt and the shame to turn against us. And God is saying, hey, if you just give me the guilt and the shame and the hurt and the past mess ups and the past mistakes, I can let you walk out in freedom today because it was me hanging on a cross. I died, but three days later, I rose from the grave and we celebrated that. But when Jesus came out, he came out with all authority, all power in his hand. And he said, there is nothing that I can't conquer. And you might be here this morning wondering if God hears your prayers, if God knows where you're at. I want to encourage you. God knows exactly where you're at this morning. And the reason that you're here in this room this morning is so that you can leave in freedom. Come on, somebody. You don't have to leave in the same prison cell that you walked into. Addictions can leave at the drop of a hat. Jesus can step in right now. And Jeconiah has this moment where he reaches. Hear me right now, graduates. Pastor Justin preached in a magnificent word on Wednesday night. If you were not here, you need to go back and watch it about reaching back and remembering the promises of God. Remembering the word of God. But Jeconiah reaches back all the way to David. And he said, there was once a promise on my life. There was once a, a, an absolute destiny that was spoken for me. And Jeconiah reaches back. And he says... I want to go back to the way things used to be. There are going to be moments in your life where God positions you, as Pastor Justin talked about on Wednesday night, to reach back to the prophetic word, to reach back to the promises, to reach back to the destiny. And there's going to come a moment where you find yourself in an altar where God is saying, hey, I want to restore everything that the enemy took. I want to restore everything that you've been battling. I want to restore everything that you once lost. I want to restore you to the place where you can hear my word, where you can feel my presence all over again, where you can feel me working through you. God is looking this morning and he's saying that, listen, you don't have to leave the same way that you walked into this place. Graduates, hear me. When you leave this place, you're leaving with the apostolic authority to go ye into all the world, to preach the gospel and to make disciples of all nations. If you want to see God move, if you want to see God do great things, step into it and say, I'm all in. Oh, when you make it up to go all in, let me just tell you, it's worth it. When you make it up in your mind that I'm going to worship God, I'm going to live for the one true God with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul. There's nothing like it because your atmosphere begins to shift. The family members who were once hating you, the family members who said, I don't know what you've got. I don't like what you've got. All of a sudden see you standing up when the world is crumbling. They see you standing when the world says you shouldn't be doing that. And they say, what you've got, I need. What you've got, I want. I want the peace that passes all understanding. I want the joy of the Lord. This is reaching back to the promise of man after God's own heart, David. But something happens in the story. Nebuchadnezzar dies. The man who oppressed him who shook him, 
who forced him to confront some things dies. If you're ever going to walk into your destiny, into the freedom that God has for you, something's got to die. Something has to die. The Bible states in the New Testament that I die daily. If I ever want God to do something in my life, if I'm not willing to put myself on the altar every single day, there will be a moment that I have to confront some things. But when I die daily, something begins to shift. And Jeconiah, Nebuchadnezzar dies. And here he is, now lost in prison. But the Bible states that there was an evil king named Murdoch, who ascends to the throne. And he opens the prison doors for Jeconiah to let him out. And he says, you've been in there long enough. It's time to come out. The reason that history tells us that kings did this was captured kings were kept in the court of their conquerors so that they could have the memory of the triumph of the battle. And what I love about this story is that Murdoch never conquered Jeconiah. It was Nebuchadnezzar's battle that beat Jeconiah. And all of a sudden, he says, I want you to come. And the other reason that they did this was because sometimes in the prisons, these kings would get together and they'd begin to stir up a coup and say, we can overtake them. They'd get some guys in prison. And so Murdoch thinks that he's just bringing old Jeconiah out just to bring him out. But you ever notice with God, there's always more to the story. God doesn't ever just make a half story. There's always more to the story. And what he thinks he's bringing Jeconiah out was because historians tell us that somewhere along the line in prison, Murdoch came in contact with Jeconiah and he found favor with him. And I don't know all the ins and outs of how he got there, but all I know is he got to the king's court. Prisoner, a nobody in prison, a former king, a man who rejected God, who was considered wicked, is all of a sudden sitting in the king's court in Babylon. And there are some of us in our lives where we feel like we're sitting in a king's court. And every day we're forced to confront our failures right there in front of us. Solitary confinement was just him and God, but now he looks at the throne every day that he wakes up and he sees where he could have been sitting back in Judah. He sees the things that should be his. But something happened. Something happened. Historians tell us in the Talmud, and rabbinical history tells us that while in prison, while he was sitting there in solitary confinement, that one day Jeconiah asked for a sin offering to be made in his place. They tell us that he had had enough of thinking and hearing about the God of old, that they tell us that he decided that this was now the time where I had to atone for my sins. And let me just tell somebody here in a parenthetical statement that whenever there is repentance, there is always deliverance every single time. 
And Jeconiah finally realizes that, you know what, all the things I did that were wrong, I'm going to ask God to forgive me. I'm going to make a sin offering. I'm going to have the high priest go before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm going to have him go before the God, the creator of the universe, and tell him that I'm sorry, that I messed up, that I messed, I was made a complete fool of myself. And here Jeconiah is now, but when he comes out, he doesn't come out as a prisoner, the Bible states. He comes out and he puts on kingly garments and he was no longer wearing the prisoner mess. He no longer looked like a prisoner, but he looked like a king that he used to be. I want somebody to know today that repentance is in the house and when there's repentance, God can restore and pull off the prison garbs and say, you can walk in a kingship. You can walk in the priesthood. You can walk. Like I've called you to walk. Somebody hear me this morning. That when you step into a new life. When you go down in the waters of baptism. In Jesus name and you come out. The old man is gone. The prison garb is gone. And all of a sudden. You no longer have to be captive in sin's court. Say you don't know my past. You don't know what I've done. You're right that I don't. But I know a savior that hung on a cross for you and for me. Every drop of blood. Every whip that he took. Every time they placed the crown on his head. It was for you. And it was for me. And he said you don't have to be captive in sin's court. (laughs) Jeconiah wasn't like every other prisoner that was there. In fact, the, the, the historians tell us that while the, all the other kings were stuck in their prison garb, here he is every day he wakes up and he gets to put on the king's garb one more time. Every day that he wakes up, he gets to put back on the robes. He gets to put back on the crown. And here he is waiting and saying, you know what? I might have messed up my life. I might have had a little time outside of church. I might have left God. I might have left the things that I love. I might have left the things of my forefathers. But I want you to know that when repentance steps in, there's a moment where God says, look, where you were, I don't care. It's as far as the east is from the west. But I've stepped in. It can bring deliverance. Let's clap our hands to the Lord this morning. Come on, the guilt and the shame that you walked in here with this morning can leave at the drop of a hat. You find yourself in the altar saying, God, I need repentance. God, I want to turn from my wicked ways. And all of a sudden, the Savior, Jesus himself, steps in. The other kings were stuck in their guilt and in their shame. But Jeconiah said, when I get out of here, I'm putting on the kingly garments. I'm stepping into the praise. I used to be the king of the praisers. I'm going to learn how to run again. I'm going to learn how to dance again. I'm going to learn. Some of us just need to get our praise back. Some of us just need to step in and say, God, I may have been a mess, but God, I'm going to worship. I'm going to dance. I'm going to shout. When repentance sweeps in, the prison guard has to leave. And I want somebody to know this morning that the reason that you're here this morning is so that the prison guard can die at the altar. You can leave in a kingly robe. You can leave as a royal priesthood. You can leave as a chosen generation. If you've never been filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name, congratulations. Today is your lucky day because there's a Savior that has walked into this room this morning. You may be captive in the king's court. You may be captive in the sin's court. 
But there's a savior here this morning that's looking for somebody, that's reaching for somebody. He says, your addiction, I can handle. Your mess ups, I can handle. You're not like everybody else. You've got a destiny on your life. You're not like the other kings in the court. You're somebody that's able to say, I've got a God that's bigger. I've got a God that's greater. He's the creator. Thank you. Come on, if you've been redeemed, just take about 20 seconds and thank God for the redemptive blood that's been poured over your life for the time that you messed up and God said, I've had enough. It's okay. I can take it. You see what I love about God? You may be seated this morning. What I love about God was that Jeconiah is a representation of you and I. We mess up, we fail, we're born into a sinful nature. You don't have to teach a kid how to lie, trust me, I know. You don't have to teach a kid how to disobey. They just do it. And then they fall and they hurt themselves. I'm like, well, I told you not to. But we are captive in a king's court. Just depends on which court we're in. If we're captive to sin's court, there's redemption here for you this morning. If you're captive in the court of the world, there's redemption here for you this morning. And some of you graduates, you're about to walk into a court and you might be the only person that believes what we believe that ever steps foot on your college campus, on your high school campus, on your junior high, or in your workplace. But with that comes something. Because I'm remember, reminded in the Bible, in the book Acts 1 and 8, it states that you shall receive power when you receive the Holy Ghost. So if you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name and repented of your sins, you can walk into your college campus, to your high school, and your, your job, and you can take authority over it and say that this is God's place. You can walk in and start to make disciples of people that are hurting, people that are broken, people that are oppressed, that are dealing with anxiety and depression. And you can say, let me show you who Jesus is. Brother Darrell, God's going to use you to walk in. And he's going to use you to reach men that are hurting, reach men that are broken, men whose lives are upside down, that are dependent upon addictions, and say, let me show you what Jesus did for me. But here we are this morning in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords court here this morning. This is his house. This is God manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles and then received up to heaven. This is whose house we're in this morning. 
And when you're in Jesus' house, that means that there's peace. That means that there's joy. That means that there's love. That means that there's long-suffering. And whatever you've walked in with this morning, it can die at the altar here. And God was reaching for some of us this morning to let us know that I'm with you. As the musicians come, here's what I love about this story. As I said, God doesn't do anything halfway. He always does things. He's a God of the overflow, a God of abundance. The Bible states, do we have our text chapter? If we could put that back up. I love this. It states this, that when he put on the kingly garments that he received, look at this, he ate bread regularly before the king all the days of his life. Not just some days, all days. Even when he wasn't feeling right, he still ate bread at the king's table. Even when he may have had a day where he thought about the way things used to be, he still had a seat at the king's table. God does not do anything halfway. You may feel like here this morning that, oh, I've messed up. Oh, I've made some mistakes. But I want you to know that you can still eat bread regularly all the days of your life. The next verse, look at this. And if it's in the Bible, it's important. I don't know if you knew that. If it's in the Bible, it's important. And it states, and as for his provisions, another translation states his living, his livelihood. There was a regular ration given to him by the king of Babylon, a portion for each day. Are you getting the picture here? God redeemed him. He brought him out of the prison and he put back on the kingly garments. And when he did that, he didn't just stop there. He said, you can have something every single day. And I'm reminded in the Old Testament where it says his mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. You see, when you step out of the prison garb and into the kingly garb, every day his mercies are new every morning. <laughs> every day when you die on the altar and put your flesh there and say, God, today is your day. Have your way in my life, God. <laughs> his mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. As we stand this morning for perhaps you're feeling a whole lot like Jeconiah in the house this morning. Where you might have had a prophetic destiny or a prophetic word given over your life. And you're sitting there and you're saying, I've fallen so far from it. I don't know how God could ever love me again like he used to. Let me just stop here and tell you that that is a lie from the pit of hell. That God wants to redeem you. He wants to restore you. He wants to bring you back to covenant relationship. He wants to tell you that everything can be great and new every single morning. And perhaps what we've said today, and you've not quite committed to living for God and maybe you've never been baptized or filled with the Holy Ghost but today can be that day for you because God 
so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that everybody might have eternal life. You see, you've not gone too far for God to pour out his spirit upon you this morning. You've not gone too far for God to wash away your sins in the waters of baptism when you go down in Jesus' name. You've not gone too far to walk out these doors today into your car, into your home, walking out in the garments of a king instead of the garments of a prisoner. Let's lift our hands all across this place right now. Here's the greatest part of this story. That when you make the decision to put on the kingly garments, God will sustain you every single day. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against it. When your past tries to come at you, God will say, hey, you know what? I've washed it all away. You don't have to worry about it anymore. When the friends and the family say, that's not the way you used to be, you can say, let me tell you who Jesus is. He washed away every sin. He made me a new person. He made me to sit in the king's table. He brought me out. And while he was pierced and bled, my life now has a new meaning. If you need the Holy Ghost in this place today, I invite you to come to the front. If you need a refilling of the Holy Ghost, I invite you to come down to the front. Or perhaps you're just feeling a little overwhelmed and you're feeling a whole lot like Jeconiah saying, God, I've got to confront things in my past that are ugly. If you just need a touch from God, I invite you to come to this altar this morning because what God is getting ready to do in this place is going to change someone's history forever. He walked in here with pain, with hurt, and with shame. And you're about to leave here a new man or a new woman in Christ. This is beautiful what God's getting ready to do in this place. God's spirit is getting ready to be poured out for the very first time for some of you. And he's getting ready to refill like only he can. Let's just lift our hands all across this room right now. God's getting ready to do something in this place. Let's just lift our hands right now. Come on, that's it. If you know how to pray in the Spirit, just go to pray in the Spirit right now just for a moment. We're getting ready to... See God do something great here. Here's what I want us to do right now. Every hand lifted up. I want us to repent. We're gonna ask God to forgive us for everything. And then when we're done repenting, we're just gonna release the gift of faith in this place for God to refill, for God to fill, and for God to restore. And at the end of that, 
When we say in Jesus' name, I want you to shout hallelujah with all that you've got. And what's going to happen is the Holy Ghost is going to fall all over this place. Right now, let's just begin to repent. God, we come before you this morning. God, we are in need of the forgiveness that only you can provide, oh Lord. God, as Jeconiah made a sin offering before you, God, oh Lord, we're standing before you here this morning asking God that you would wash us clean. Asking God that you would cover any mistake, oh God, cover anything that we've done, any fault that we've had in our lives, anything, God, whether it's secret or it's out in the open, God, I ask God that you would forgive me. God, I ask that you would wash my mind clean, God, purify my heart. Created me a clean heart, oh God. But Lord, I pray that I would turn from anything that is not like you. It's not enough to just say I'm sorry. But God, I've got to turn from it this morning. Now just begin to lift your voices right now all across this room. Whatever you need God to do, God's getting ready to do in this place. I just want you to lift your voices all across this room. Come on, that's it. God is working right now. God's working right now. The Holy Ghost is getting ready to fall in this place right now. Come on, that's it. God is already doing a work right now. Come on. Right now, by the authority of the Word of God and the power that is in the name of Jesus, I pray that the Holy Ghost would fall right now in the name of Jesus. listening to this message for more content follow us on facebook instagram and youtube at the life church kc reference the episode notes for more details